everyone, and welcome back to Who's There. I'm your host, Allison. If you're new here, thank you for joining us. This is a podcast where I talk to a new horror fan every week because I hope to destigmatize what it means to be a horror movie fan because most of us are just regular people who like the adrenaline rush of being scared for some reason, and here we delve into those reasons. It's our second to last episode of the year, and this week we have the author of the short story compilation Doorways to the Unseen, Jer- James German, on the show. In our conversation, we discussed his love of ghost stories, what movies made him love horror, and why he's curious about its upcoming remake next year and he told me all about boogeyman lore from all around the world it's super interesting i know you're gonna love this chat one last thing before we get into this episode if you love the show and haven't left us a review on itunes or spotify yet i'd be so grateful if you could take a second to rate and review it on apple podcasts and subscribe to our feed wherever you listen to us thank you to everyone who's already left us a review it's so appreciated as it really helps people to find us i think i've rambled enough so let's get into this episode with james dermond Hey, James, how are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for being here. Do you want to start by telling everyone a little bit about yourself, where you're from, et cetera? Sure. My name's James Dermond. I'm in Colorado. I've been writing since 2016. I'm writing a series of short story collections called Doorways to the Unseen. Each volume has six short horror stories. And volume five has recently been released. And volume six will be due in April 2023. Oh, cool. Awesome. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but first things first, what's your favorite scary movie? You know, they asked me this when I come on here, so I'll say Salem's Lot. Okay, why that one? It's probably the first horror movie I saw. Oh, okay, cool. So I'll say, and it is one of the best, I think, so I'll, <laughs> I'll stick with that. How, how do you feel about that they're remaking it? It's coming out next year. Yeah, I mean, it probably will never be as good as the original, but hopefully it's better than the one that was made in the 90s okay. uh, with, with Rob Lowe. I, d- I haven't seen either. So yeah, so the original Salem's Lot by for, uh, directed by Toby Hooper is really good. Oh, okay. I'll have to look that up, see if it's streaming anywhere. So how did you first fall in love with the horror genre? Yeah, probably watching Salem's Lot. So I was seven years old and I saw the original broadcast on TV, you know, on, on local TV. I watched the two-part miniseries when I was in elementary school. And that's one of my earliest memories. And that's when I started really being interested in the horror genre. So it started pretty young for me. Awesome. How old were you again? Sorry. Seven. Seven. Wow. Why do you think that people who seem perfectly sane love the horror genre? It's a really imaginative, creative genre, even more than science fiction, I would say. You know, it's, it's something that taps into people's deepest emotions, like especially fear of the unknown. And, you know, for that reason... It's something that can draw out more of a response from the readers or from the viewers than probably any other type of movie or or book genre. Yeah. So what scares you in movies and in real life today? Well, I'd say that my favorite type of scary story is ghost stories. So there's one ghost story, at least one ghost story in every volume of Doorways to the Unseen. And like that, I recently submitted a ghost story that I wrote, the last story in volume four called Matilda Graves. I submitted it for a competition, so like audio reading. So I've been trying to promote that short story. And it's an, it's an old-fashioned ghost story that's set like in the 1960s in, in rural New England. And a lot, the readers really enjoyed it. They thought it was particularly scary. But what scares me right now trying to stay on schedule, you know, <laughs> like getting all the volumes out. I'm supposed to follow an, an April, October release schedule. 
So I'm sticking to that. All, all this 12 volumes are planned in the series. So it's supposed to, next year, it's April and October. That's volume six and seven, then eight and nine, then 10 and 11, and the 12th volume in April, I think, 2026. Oh, wow. And then, then I'll release the hardcover set for it. And then I'll move on to the other writing projects. I was hoping to actually write other things other than Doorways to the Unseen, but it takes me a while to, I'm getting faster, but not as fast as I had hoped. You know, I can't just knock out these volumes like in a month. You know, each story is pretty unique and goes into a lot of detail. You know, a lot of them have a historical setting. So oh, wow. uh, it's it takes longer to write these than I had initially anticipated. Yeah. What kind of historical settings have you used? Like, for example, over volumes two, three, and four, I wrote a trilogy. The story started in the middle. I used the in-media in res technique. In volume two, I wrote a story called The Great Black Beast that takes place in medieval Germany during the plague. And it's like a werewolf story, but not exactly. It's about wolves. And then the prequel story takes place in ancient Rome around 1 AD. And you learn the origin of the cursed silver pendant that appears in the first story. And then the last story that's in volume four, Forged in Fire, that wraps up the trilogy and that takes place in 1901 in Victorian England. So it follows kind of the journey of this cursed silver pendant that moves, you know, moves through time, basically, that starts in ancient, around ancient Rome, and then moves to medieval Germany and then ends in Victorian England. No. And all, th all three are like werewolf stories. Hmm. Okay. Awesome. So what's your favorite subgenre in horror movies? Other than ghost stories, let's see. I'd say maybe other supernatural, other supernatural stories, maybe like that I have to deal with not just ghosts, but maybe like, um, you know, like satanic stories, things like that. Oh. You know, black magic. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I, I'm not really a slasher fan or like gory yeah. horror or anything like that. I, I go for more of the, the spooky stories. Yeah, definitely. Definitely can relate. Do you have any favorite horror directors? Uh, let's see. Uh, who would be one that I can mention? So I did mention Toby Hooper already. So yeah, his, his career surprisingly like ended, you know, just after a few great horror movies. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then he just made like really low budget horror movies after that. I don't know. I, I, I'm following like the the Conjuring universe yeah. and James Wan. Yeah. So he's actually, th that kind of inspired me to write this series because like we talked about briefly, I don't include, there's very little swearing or sexuality or anything like that in my, in my stories. You know, it's kind of like a PG-13 yeah. type of series. And so, and the, the Conjuring universe is like that too. There are rated movies that you know, have, have disturbing yeah. and violent content, but I purposely kept it like that because I want to reach like a, a teen audience, you know, teen and older audience, especially for short stories. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. The first Conjuring movie is rated R purely because of how scary it is and not yeah, because exactly. of like language or yeah, anything like that. sexuality. Yeah. That's cool. So who inspired you to start writing horror fiction and short stories? Okay. I talk about this in volume two. I like have this kind of essay at the end, a statement of purpose. And I just talk about the, um, 
the old anthology series on TV. You know, like, do you remember Night Gallery from the 1970s? I don't, but I've heard people talk about it before. Okay, so it's kind of like a, a sequel to The Twilight Zone. So The Twilight okay. Zone was focused on like science fiction and paranormal and things like that. And a night gallery is more a horror anthology. And it's also hosted by Rod Sterling. Mm. And he goes to this night gallery and looks at this, you know, creepy painting. And the the first episode, the pilot episode starred Roddy McDowell. And it's a particularly good story. It was one of the best stories in the series. And they redid like have you, you've heard of Cabinet of Curiosities that's on Netflix right yep. now? So mm-hmm. I think that they they did a, a segment for Pickman's Model. Okay. Yeah. And have you heard of the H.P. Lovecraft story, Pickman's Model? I have not. Okay. So in Cabinet, of, I, I haven't seen it yet, but Cabinet of Curiosities, they read it Pickman, Pickman's Model. But Night Gallery is from like the late 70s, early 80s. Or is it? I think, no, it's it's even earlier than that. Like in the set, all the whole series is in the 70s. And they... They also do a segment that is based on H.P. Lovecraft's short story, Pickman's Model. And that's one of the best episodes in the entire series as well. It's about ghouls in H.P. Lovecraft's universe, like these subterranean, the subterranean species. And the artist is, you know, he's painting these disturbing paintings and people think that he has this incredible imagination like it's completely off the wall but he's actually painting it turns out at the end he's painting something that's real what would you say are your top three favorite horror books let's see i'd probably say hp lovecraft's collected writings edgar Allan post's <laughs> collected writings and i'm not going to say stephen king you know i've read his books but i wouldn't put it in the very very top group you know that's an influence on me maybe like a Clark Ashton Smith, he writes in the Mythos universe. He's kind of like an extension of H.P. Lovecraft's writings. Oh, cool. So he's had an influence on me as well. Yeah, I think I visited H.P. Lovecraft's house in Salem, Massachusetts, maybe. Okay. Is that where he lived? I don't I remember something. Yeah, he's, he's, from the, he's from New England, but I don't remember exactly yeah. where. Yeah, I could be wrong. So yeah, I, I I stayed in the hotel in Morocco where William S. Burroughs wrote Naked Lunch. Oh, okay. that's one of my literary claims to fame. I stayed in the same room. <gasps> oh wow, you're you're, <laughs> you're dedicated. I've had Naked Lunch on my bookshelf for like decades. I've never read it though. Yeah, so, I started reading it. I didn't have time to to finish it. <laughs> so you're the author of a five book horror series called Doorways to the Unseen, like you were uh-huh. talking about before. Can you tell everyone what the others are about that you haven't, besides the three in the middle? Oh, you... those three. Yeah. I mean, I've you know written a number of my stories have been adapted for audio, like for Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and the Mick Dark YouTube channel. And I don't know if you're from Chilling Tales for Dark Nights has a pretty large audience. Have, yeah. you, have you heard of it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So three of the stories from volume one were adapted for okay. Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. And, and they were The Drowned Man grandfather's cane and return to dust and the first two are ghost stories and the third is kind of like a twilight zone alternate universe story that takes place in this version of soviet russia and it's you know it's about like ancient you know human evolution and ancient psychic powers and it's it's just it's an unusual story but it fits in more of the science fiction genre than the horror genre but the first two stories the first are based on ghost stories that other people told me that were supposed oh, okay. to be true. And I wrote short stories about them. Oh, cool. Have they read them? 
Yes, they did. So they liked what I did and they still insist that this really happened. Oh, so nice. I've, I've never seen ghosts, but I've talked to other people that claim they have. Nice. Are you a skeptic? Not really. I think that ghosts, I mean, I don't believe in the rest of it. You know, I don't believe that like vampires and werewolves are real, but there's a fair amount of evidence that ghosts are real. Yeah. And even I bloom in Colorado and we have the, the Stanley hotel here mm-hmm. and up in Northern Colorado where they, you know, that's the shining is based on Stephen King shining. And they, 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 you know, it's, it's a, it's a tourist spot here in Colorado and they, you know, their official stance is that the hotel is haunted and they have ghost tours <clears throat> and there's rooms that are supposed to be haunted you know, specific rooms that are particularly haunted. Yeah. Have you ever stayed in any of them? No, I, I haven't gone up there yet. Oh, okay. You know, uh, people tell me that if you go up there, something will follow you back. Oh, and, uh, that's scary. <laughs> I don't know. If, you know, a number, a, a number of people have mentioned that to you. Well, if you go up there, something's, something's going to follow you back and start haunting your house. Oh, yeah. That's not, that's not good. We don't need that. Do you think you'll ever write a horror novel? Yeah, I I think that that's where I'm going. Like I said, I I was hoping to write more in between the different volumes, but they're all, you know, meticulously written and carefully researched. That's where I would start after I get done with the Doorways the Unseen series. I I did start writing a novel, actually three novels, like a trilogy, and I put them on hold to focus on the series. Oh, cool. What are, what's the next doorway? Uh, to do with witches be? and oh, okay. Salem's, Salem, Massachusetts, something like Salem, Massachusetts. Oh, cool. So nice. I don't know if that's where I'll start or I'll start over again, but I have about a hundred thousand words in on the novel oh, wow. or the, the series. <laughs> Very cool. Well, I will be on the lookout to see when that comes out. Yeah, it'll be a while. What is your process for writing when you sit down to write a new, a new collection of short stories? Well, I look at what I've already written and I, I make sure that I'm not repeating myself or there's, there's too much, you know, that I, I'm addressing something that hasn't been written about already in the series and also that I'm not using the same kind of plot devices and things like that. So I try to make everything as fresh as possible. And other, other times that I've been interviewed, people have mentioned that, that each story seems unique and, you know, that I, I, have, I haven't yet really repeated myself you know each each deals with a different kind of subject matter yeah well that's that's quite the compliment for a writer yeah Yeah. i mean it's important to stay fresh and you know especially in in this because people it's fast enough where you could you know i've talked to people that have like read everything that i've written in just in a few days you know each volume is about thirty thousand words you know and they sit down they, they bought all four volumes and they read it all the way through you know, over like Friday or Saturday or something like that, you know, so it, it it would be easy if you were starting to repeat yourself, you know, people would notice it right away because it's not something that, you know, it would take a long time to read. You could probably read the whole series in like a week if you, once I get done with it, you know, if if you really wanted to, you know, it's, they're all short, they're fast reads. So each one takes about 30 to 60 minutes to read. Wow. What, what story within the series do you think is the scariest? I, I think Matilda Graves, the, the last story that I wrote in volume four, um, you know, a lot of, some of the stories that I wrote that turned out the best, I just sat down and wrote them. I wrote Matilda Graves over two days with almost no editing. And then my editor, you know, he made a few changes, but he, you know, the whole story just kind of like came out on paper you're, you know, typing it out and it, it turned out really well. And it was, it's just a really, 
kind of spooky old fashioned ghost story. And everybody that's read it said that this is one of the best ghost stories I've read so far. Awesome. I can't wait to read that one then. I can send you volume four if you want. That would be that would be great. I would love that. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. I'll send yeah, I'll email you volume when we're when we're done with the interview, I'll email you a PDF ebook of volume four. Awesome. Thank you. So an article came out in 2020 that said that harm movie fans were handling lockdown better than non-horror movie fans. Why do you think that was the case? Because if you're a horror fan, you're used to staying inside. <laughs> you know, I mean you're kind of an introvert anyway. You know, the like the I think the slasher fans are kind of a different group of horror fans yeah you know they're more of the they, they love the gore and the action you know they're the same people that like action movies but you know for the rest of the people that like different parts of the genre they're they're more quiet and introverted and they can deal with the isolation better yeah yeah because like the lockdown I, I work in remotely anyway so mm-hmm. the lockdown really didn't affect me very much yeah that's true what is on your TBR list right now? And for everyone who doesn't know, TBR means to be read. Oh, to be read. I'm not reading anybody else's stuff right now, basically because I'm trying to get all my writing done, you know, okay. on, a, on a tight schedule. Yeah. But I am watching horror movies intermittently. So I'm going to watch The Black Phone, that yes. new movie with yep. Ethan Hawke. I'm going to watch that this weekend. Oh, cool. So okay. I watch about one horror movie like a week, nice. you know, based on the schedule that I have right now. Very cool. Are there any horror movies that you won't watch or that you won't watch ever again? I was thinking of watching Bone Tomahawk. Okay. Have you heard of that? I've heard of it. I've never seen it. Yeah. It's supposed to be pretty good, but it's, it's so it deals with like cannibalism and mutilation okay. and things like that. And there's supposed to be a scene in there that's so disturbing. I don't want to see it. Oh, so okay. once you've seen it, you can't unsee it. Oh. So I, I don't want to watch it. For, for that. Reason I, I thought about watching the movie. Well, that's reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever had any noteworthy experiences seeing a horror movie in theaters? No, I mean, I, I really don't watch that many movies in, in the theaters. You know, I was more of a, a VHS and DVD kind of horror <laughs> yeah. fan. But, you know, I have been going to the theater to watch the entire Conjuring universe. Oh, yeah. So that's the last story. That's the last horror movie that I saw in the theaters was Conjuring the Devil Made Me Do It. So whenever that came out, I think it was a few years ago. Yeah, last year, I think. Yeah, last year. So like towards the the end of the pandemic, when you could go to the theater again, I went to go see it. Yeah. And that was the last movie that I saw. And I saw uh, Pet Cemetery right before the pandemic began, the, the yeah. remake. Yeah, that was. What did you think of it? I, it wasn't as good as the original movie. Yeah. The original movie is particularly good. It's, it's really <laughs> scary. You've seen it? like the- I've, I've seen it. I didn't find it very scary, except for the scene where the little boy is walking around and like taunting the neighbor. Okay, so. but, but the the scene though where I think it's the the corpse dropped drops down from the trap door. Oh yeah, yeah that was really scary. <laughs> like the, the the end sequence, the last fifteen or twenty minutes is particularly yeah. well done and frightening. Yeah, and the scenes with Zelda too are really. Yeah. I that the, I saw it on VHS in high school. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, it, it, it came yeah I think it was um, it came out on VHS. Right around because it came out in 1989, I think, okay. something like that. So it would have been right around the time, like, our, yeah, like the end of high school, early college for me. So that I would have rented it. And I remember I, I couldn't watch the Zelda scenes, even though I was still <laughs> a teenager, you know, that they were that disturbing to me. Oh, wow. 
yeah i mean i was like 34 when i watched it so it did not have the same effect for sure but i'm sure if i was your age when i, yeah, when I was about I 18 or 19 it. oh yeah. i was you know i was a young adult but <laughs> yeah still <laughs> yeah what's been your favorite horror movie that you've watched so far in 2022 Ooh, let's see. In 2022, I saw, let's see, The the Dark and the Wicked. Okay. Do you remember that? I think that I watched that in 2022. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah that- so that I watched that on Shudder and I thought that was, that was pretty good. I wrote that was particularly good. Awesome. And then I also watched Sun. It's like, oh, an, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was also on Shudder. And I thought that it was, it's kind of like an Omen-esque movie about like a half demon child. What? Wasn't that? Am I thinking of a different one? I was thinking of the one with Allison from the Halloween trilogy and she is like taking her son and like running away or she's pregnant at the time. Maybe I'm thinking of something. Yeah. Totally the different. Son, son is done by Ivan Kavanaugh. It's a 2021 film. And I probably, I probably didn't watch it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, no, this, this is year. the one. This is the one that I'm thinking of. It's an Irish director, but it takes place in the United States with mostly yes. American actors. I thought okay. that was good too. So those are two recent horror movies I watched on Shudder that I thought were good. Yeah. Yeah. Shudder is great. Are there any horror movies that you're looking forward to seeing in 2023? Uh, I'm going to watch The Black Phone. So I'm so excited about that, that. That got really good reviews from both the audience and the critics. So that's usually an indication that it is actually a good movie. <laughs> you know, usually the, a lot of times there's a split between the, the critics yeah. and the audience. But in this case, they both agreed that it was great. You know, like yeah. they got on a rotten tomatoes they got like i you know in the 80s yeah the approval for both of them yeah i remember that have you seen it yet i did i saw it in theaters there were parts of it that i liked i don't think ethan hawk had enough to do in it so but like all the the kids in it they're all fantastic so okay. yeah and there are some there are some jump scares that are effective but there aren't too many so and there's not really any gore in it so that that was nice at least not that i remember so yeah. yeah, it's it's kind of like a, a movie about this boogeyman type character. Yeah. He's like a kid kidnapper of children. I actually yeah. wrote a story about that at the beginning. Volume three, it's called Fear of the Dark. And it's about the German boogeyman, Der Schwartzmann. Oh, of course they would have a boogeyman. Yeah, there's a boogie. This is the thing. I appeared on another podcast and uh, or another show, and we talked about that, that there is a boogeyman story in pretty much most cultures and it's very, they're very yeah. similar. And they, the, one of the hosts said, well, do you think the boogeyman's real? You know, because of that. Yeah. Oh, that, that's interesting. What podcast was that? Chatter Chatter. Oh, okay, cool. I'll have to go. Have you heard of them? Up. Nope. Yeah. The Splatter Chatter podcast. So yeah. I've appeared on there several times and we've talked about, you know, the stories that I've written and we, that was, I, last time I appeared in there was for volume three and we talked about the story fear of the dark and you know, it, it's definitely a boogeyman story. There's only been, I think, one boogeyman horror movie that's come out in the U.S. And it was back in 2005, and it was terrible. I wish they would remake it or make a new boogeyman story. But it, that's one of the ones where the the critics hated it, but the audience liked it. So they kept I, making. They kept. I think there's like two or three sequels in that, that oh, series. Oh, are there? Because yeah. I don't. I did not like it. It was. It was real bad. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it either. So that's the other thing. I, I when I write a story, I kind of do research to what's already been done, and yeah. I found that Boogeyman series when oh, I okay. when I was preparing to write Fear of the Dark. Are there any horror movies that you love that people generally don't like? I don't know. I probably. I mean, I like really old horror movies. That's probably not popular. 
you know, like even back into the silent era, <laughs> <laughs> like Nesferatu. You know, oh. if, if you saw that to show that to younger people today, they're probably their eyes would glaze over or something like that. But you know, I yeah. think I think that the even like the earliest horror movies are good. Nosferatu, I saw it Halloween weekend this year. The cathedral around the corner from me was showing it in the cathedral. So it was entertaining. It was very funny. It was funnier than I thought it would be. It wasn't scary at all, but it was funny. So. It, was, it was funny? Why, why yeah, was it funny? it was fun uh, just because some of the lines were just very silly. Yeah, I mean, I guess it would seem like 100 years later, it would seem yeah. kind of silly. But yeah, yeah. But it's also translated from German, too. So maybe yeah, the translation isn't exact. Yeah. comes off kind of stilted or, or strange. Yeah. If you could remake one horror movie, which one would it be? That hasn't been remade? Yeah, sure. Or one that was remade, but poorly. Okay. Let me think of, if I could think of a, an example that hasn't been remade. Which which one is crying out for a remake that, uh, that hasn't been done yet? Let's see. How about the the Dunwich Horror? I've it's never, never been done that. right. There, there's been like, remember, do you know who Dean Stockwell is? He was kind of an actor from the, he was a child actor in the 40s, okay. 30s and 40s. But then, you know, he was also an adult actor in the like the 70s and 80s. And, and they, different versions of the Dunwich Horror have been done, you know, like different adaptations. None of them have been that good. You know, they've all been kind of low budget. Yeah. So they did do, they redid the color out of space recently with Nicolas oh, Cage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was pretty, I mean, it was visually good, yeah. but it wasn't a great story or anything like that. Okay. You know, the, it was mostly the effects were really interesting. I thought, oh. especially certain scenes, but it would be interesting if they would see the HP Lovecraft's the Dunwich Horror redone with like a real budget and, you know, high production value. Oh, awesome. Let's see if I that have- ever happens. Yeah. I mean, hopefully fingers crossed. My last question is if you had to spend quarantine with one horror villain, who would it be? I don't know. Let's see. Freddie, I'd borrow his sweater and wear it. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> He'd also be It gets cold here so. in the mountains. You know, I live mm. up in the mountains in Colorado. So yeah, I take oh. his sweater and not give it back. Oh. oh, well, since you're in the mountains, what's your favorite winter horror movie? Let's see. A winter, probably The Shining. Okay. You know, yeah. the scene at the end where, yeah. you know, they're in the maze and all the snow's coming down. So it, it's not exactly a winter horror movie, but it, it takes place yeah, you know, during, during the heavy. The, that's what the snow is like here. So suddenly the snow just drops and you walk outside and it's like two or three feet of snow. And then the sun, because we're up in the mountains, the, the sun will, you know, suddenly it'll become sunny after several days, everything will melt and then it'll start over again. You know, the winter, the winter follows like this, you know, avalanche of snow and then it melting and then it, it, you know, burying us in snow again, that that kind of cycle. Oh, wow. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for being here. Do you want to tell everyone where they can find you and your books on the internet? Yeah, sure. You can go to my website, jamesderman.com, J-E-M-E-S-D-E-R-M-O-N-D.com. I'm on Goodreads as well. And you can check me out on Amazon. The whole series is there. And, you know, volume six will be coming out in April, 2023. And I will complete all 12 volumes in the series. Awesome. Be on the lookout for another six volumes. Okay. Thank you. Or seven (laughs) volumes, actually. Yeah. Seven volumes. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate it. (laughs) 
that's it for this week's episode of Who's There? I hope you enjoyed my conversation with James Derman, and thanks again to James for having on. I'll leave links to where you can find him and his books in the show notes. You can follow us on Twitter for as long as that's still around at Who's There Pod or on Instagram at Who's There Podcast. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, horror movie recommendations, or you'd like to be a guest, shoot us an email at whosetherepc.com. I'm trying to line up guests for 2023, so shoot me an email. Until next time, stay scary and get boosted.